I went to Walmart. <laughs> There you go. I want to hyperventilate and pass Just, out. I want to do it now. <laughs> you got nothing on this. You can't stop me. Welcome back to another episode of 1980s Now, a weekly examination of the importance of 1980s pop culture and its influence today. My name is Will, and joining me as always are my friends and co-hosts, Kat and John. Hey, guys. Hi, guys. Hey, how's it going, guys? Happy Halloween, I feel like saying. You know, I, hmm. well, we're the second, this is uh, the second week of uh, October for us, I think, mm-hmm. right? It's the second. Mm-hmm. Maybe this airs in the yeah. third week. I don't know, yeah. whatever. We're no, deep into Halloween. And um, for some reason, I have to get a competency porn now. I, I can't. I'm sorry. It's just going to be a whole. When are you not? I know. <laughs> well, working with you guys, it's like watching competency porn, really. So uh, there you go. Competency. Yeah. Come anyway, on. We're deep into a Halloween season here. And I really, really haven't acknowledged it, you know? I mean. That's a good point. I usually start celebrating at the beginning of the month and mm-hmm. we're a few weeks in here. Wait, we talked about Max. The oh, that's true. decorations yeah, last that's week. True. We, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And yeah. John burying himself in the front yard. Yeah, oh, in the front yard. Oh, you're sure. right. You're right. right We've right. touched yeah. upon that's it. That's right. We talked about how Will puts razor blades in the apples. All the fun stuff. That's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. We all had our own yeah. stories. <laughs> Did that make the show? He might have edited that out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I don't. I can't put crimes in the show. Oh, I see. <laughs> Statue of limitations being what it is. Hey, in addition to hosting his, to his co-hosting duties here, John also hosts his own podcast, Gen X Growing Up, where they probably talk about Halloween all October. And our show sucks. Whatever, John. I said none of that. Okay. Welcome to Walmart. I was so proud of myself getting like... <laughs> Where there's a guy, a middle-aged man blacked out on the floor. Just step around him. Uh, he had a really strong Southern accent before he passed out. It was weird. <laughs> I was so proud of myself getting ready, having the show completely ready by early today so I could do this Ooh. Halloween thing for my you know, mm-hmm. my daughter's school. Mm-hmm. And I didn't mm-hmm. write my teases. I didn't write what the show is about. So That's an absolute lack of competency yeah. porn right there. Yeah. <laughs> this is... Yeah, this is the equivalent. Is that of, incompetency porn? Is that incompetency I don't know if that is. Yeah, there's a porn for everything. So, I mean. It's just like, you're so inept, it's fascinating to watch. Yeah. That is probably a thing, right? That's like when it's guys are be. falling down doing skateboard tricks uh, and landing yeah. on their balls or something, right? I mean, you see that. Like, <laughs> they try to grind and they land on a handrail. Isn't that funniest home videos? Well, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's incompetency porn. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. Now, now they just call that TikTok. Uh, anyway, speaking of Halloween, because it is my favorite holiday, I think. I mean, Christmas and Halloween, it depends. For different reasons, mm-hmm. I like them. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. on today's show, we're going to be talking about 900 numbers in the 1980s. And mm. look, there was tons of them. But the ones that I took advantage of most were the creepy ones that were available in the late 80s during Halloween season. So we're going to talk about uh-huh. those. Um, mm. But before that, huh. Yes. Let's see. I'll just tell you. Before that, we're going to talk about, uh, uh, I don't know. Hey, Heather Langenkamp wants to be in another Nightmare on Elm Street. Let's see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Take your time with else. this because I'm having a hot flash. Uh, so I need a minute. Oh, really? We have it on tape? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Guys, we shouldn't have talked about porn before the show. I'm hyperventilating. Everything's becoming I'm a porn now. John's hyperventilating. Cat's having hot flashes. 
You can't do that here at Walmart, ma'am. Today's show, we're going to talk about the actor whose dream it is to return to a nightmare. You're going to have to go outside. Um, How Batman Bat chose his bat favorite Batmobile, and how Satan is still running the Is Will still talking? (laughs) Can you not hear me? He's here. I'm really wondering. (laughs) Hey, before all that, though, I wanted to make a brief announcement. This week, we're going to have a special bonus episode. Keep an ear out for that and an eye out for it because there's a video component to it, although we'll be publishing it in our podcast stream. Mm-hmm. It may be interesting, more interesting to see it over on YouTube where you could actually watch the shenanigans there where we are visited by <laughs> our new friend, Durandy, who is the yes. owner, the, uh, what, the um, cultivator, the, uh, there's a word for the, it, like when the you're- curator. curator. Mm. Yes. The curator of the <laughs> largest collection of Duran Duran memorabilia. In the world, and apparently. We, we talked about some of his items of, uh, you know, that he has in his collection. But even more exciting mm-hmm. to me was Cat opened live while mm-hmm. we're speaking Durand, with uh, Durandy. Mm-hmm. Three posters, vintage posters from Duran Duran that she received from a friend mm-hmm. and had never opened. She didn't know what was in it. And mm-hmm. it's kind of cool what happens, I think. It's not an Antiques Roadshow moment per se, but <laughs> it's really fun and it was really fun and exciting. So take- Speaking of competency porn, yeah. that was an example. Right. Oh, yeah, oh it was. It was. Mm-hmm. He, it was super fun and he's my new favorite person. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we can hear you, Kat. <laughs> Oops. You're my old favorite people. <laughs> All right. Oh. All right. Oh. Hey. Old? Wait a second. Huh? What did I miss? Um, what is oh, yeah. Kat still- You heard it right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, hey, let's get caught up on 1980s news. And we got to figure out, so we got to we got to decide what day trivia is going to be at the end of the month. But it's so mm. close to Halloween because it might be on the mm-hmm. 28th. I think is the Wednesday or the 27th. It's a Tuesday. Boom. Uh, mm. We should make it into a Halloween party somehow, right? I mean, the question should be uh, horror movies, Halloween type songs. Uh, horrible tragedies that happened in the 1980s is history questions. I, I don't know. And you can't watch the stream unless you have a costume. I think that's required. Well, oh. Yeah, John, I was Ooh. thinking if there's a way that we could, you know, several months ago, I co-hosted this party for Tom Higginson's birthday and it was a release mm-hmm. of a new single. And they were able to have like dozens of people on Zoom, you know, where you could yeah. see everybody right. and then they could just zoom in on somebody or whatever. We got to figure out how to mm-hmm. do that because it'd be cool to yeah. do that. And maybe you know, give away a prize to people who showed up in costume. You only need something from the chest up. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, if you really zoom in, you just need like a mask. Yeah. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> but yeah, coming in an 80s, quote, 80s costume, that'd be fun, right? I already got an idea of what I'm going to wear. I'm sure Ooh. no one would do anything untoward on camera oh. during the stream. John! <laughs> Is it because we're, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not suggesting someone should. I'm just saying they probably would. It's, we could count on somebody. This week in 1980s news, as she explained to Entertainment Weekly, an original Nightmare on Elm Street star wants a Halloween-style sequel. Uh-huh. So, you know, we've got this uh, Jamie Lee, a Curtis-led <laughs> franchise Halloween nearing its conclusion. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, the origin- an original Nightmare on Elm Street star, Heather, the original Nightmare on Elm Street star, Heather Langenkamp, says she wants a sequel mm-hmm. similar to that of that uh, other iconic series. John's already shaking his head. What's happening? Of course she does. (laughs) Is that all you have to do? So it's an article if somebody just says they want something? (laughs) It's a whole news article. I guess it depends who you are. But you know what? To your point, John, I marvel at how these people like at Screen Rant, Entertainment Weekly. Look, we use use a lot of their information because- Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. How they yes. squeeze a story out of a quote. <laughs> out of, I'd like to do that. Well, there's a headline, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. And now I'm going to just rely on that news coverage to make our story here. 
no problem. Anyway, for folks who don't know, and this is this is where we get the this is to make our beef up our own story here. You know, you guys know uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. You're probably a big fan. It was a film that came out in 1984. Yeah. It, it was huge. Uh, you know, I don't know that anybody could have anticipated how big it would be. Wes Craven, who directed mm-hmm. it, had some other success prior to that, but nothing like it. You know, mm-hmm. or probably since uh, it's, it's even I saw it. Is that right? Yeah. Did you see it at the time? Not in the theater. No. But right. I guess when it came on cable, <laughs> eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Cable or VHS or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, I think yeah. uh, it wasn't the first horror movie I had ever seen. But mm-hmm. for me, Nightmare on Elm Street, that film was for me the one that made me want to see other horror movies with oh, more, yeah, yeah. Uh, with a greater interest than I had. And so then I was seeking them out and seeing them in the in the movie theater, you know, where prior to that I had it, I'd seen them only on VHS when my friends would, mm-hmm. we would sneak into that section, you know, in the summertime and <laughs> get three movies for a 99 cents or whatever. Well, that's like a, like a golden era of, of franchise horror, right? Between, yep. between Halloween and Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. And, mm-hmm. and look- <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street is has just as much like 80s horror street cred as Halloween. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this girl is no Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, there's a reason that they're, I mean, she was amazing in that film as one of her first roles and she mm-hmm. continued to have a huge career beyond that. And so there's a reason that Halloween going back to Jamie Lee Curtis is so popular because it's Jamie Lee Curtis, but mm-hmm. uh I don't know, Laura, what's her name? I don't know what she's done since, but uh, sorry, Will, you know all the celebrities. Maybe you know, but. Wait, who? <laughs> Laura? What's her name? Heather Lane wants to do a, oh, Sure, I even her first name. Oh, that, no. That, that, I've been trying her. to get her on the show, John. You're really fucking it up for me. <laughs> no. you, took, you took her last name and made it into a first name. You turned like I knew it was in there Laura somewhere. And, yeah. My point is, Nightmare on Elm Street, sure. See yeah. more of that. That makes sense. Robert Englund's mm-hmm. still around. He could be in it or be a cameo or whatever, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know if they're, I don't know if they're going to have a long lived reboot franchise like Halloween did. Yeah. I guess here's a, not a counterpoint necessarily, but a lot of the Halloween franchise is garbage and a lot of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise is garbage. Um, so anyway, in that sense, they kind of balance out and plenty of them don't have Jamie Lee Curtis either, you know, and maybe that's why they right. suck. But, well, and Halloween survived those garbage sequels yeah. to then come around to get back to its roots with Jamie Lee Curtis, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if the other franchises are too tarnished at this point with all the crazy crossovers and, you know, Freddy yeah. versus who mm-hmm. this guy and yeah, right. stuff. Would it be too contrived? Probably. Well, yeah. And it a would, good writer could fix that. It would have to be because uh, the biggest hurdle they'll, they'd have is, or certainly one of the hurdles they'd have is the fact that Nancy was killed off in the third film. Right. Uh, Dream Warriors <laughs> while protecting the Patricia Arquette's character. So look, they could retcon that. They retconned, mm-hmm. that, retconned most of the Halloween uh, since, you know, after the first one for this latest uh, trilogy. So, mm-hmm. but um, you know, John talking about how messy it's been. Um, yeah. So they've had, they've had uh, five, Five direct sequels, one meta spinoff, which was kind of a cool idea. That spinoff where it was uh, they were the actors were making the movie, and then Freddie was uh, uh, Freddie was coming and haunting Robert England, oh, Heather Langenkamp. I don't think I even saw that one. Oh, really, it's pretty cool. Ooh. It's a cool idea. That, that's okay. That's I, this is what I was believe, it called? It's called it's the Dream Warriors. It's, it's called uh, hmm, that was earlier. No, yeah. for a, a new nightmare. Freddie's nightmare. Oh. Maybe a new nightmare, but um, nightmare. It, it, I think it's post Scream. So if you remember, Wes Craven, ah right, directed and produced Sc- first Scream, which was this sort of new take. Uh, I think it was is it Kevin Williamson who wrote those movies? Uh, it was a very meta sort of film. I think that's what mm-hmm. it was. So it's like, hey, this is a new idea. I'm mm-hmm. thinking about horror movies, and that was Wes Craven's take on it. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, but uh, and then and then you had a crossover with the Friday the Thirteenth franchise, mm-hmm. and then a poorly received remake in 2010. 
So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of, yeah, they're going upstream or fighting upstream to get to, we'd get to see. And, and right. they've been talking about making another one or a remake since 2015, but as of 2016 or by 2016 already, it was said to be in, in development hell. Uh, Robert England said he was only interested in coming back in a cameo. Right. Um, he, he said he'd be interested in having Kevin Bacon take over as Freddy Krueger. Oh, um, <laughs> that works for me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if he's in makeup, I mean, huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I saw the one where Jackie Earl Haley plays him, the 2010 one, but I don't remember it. It's kind of forgettable. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he was a fine Freddie, I guess. He's no Robert England, though. I like him, but yeah. yeah. But now the estate, the uh, West Craven's estate, is in charge, and so uh, who knows what they want to do necessarily? They want to bring it mm-hmm. back, but they had mentioned maybe as a series, and mm-hmm. they would want uh, Robert England to come back too. So wow. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, another 1980s news. Batman finally settles his favorite movie, Batmobile. So I don't know if you guys are fans of comics necessarily. There was a period of time where I read them and then I didn't Mm -hmm. read them for decades. And then I started reading Mm -hmm. them again a few years ago. And Mm -hmm. then I think it was in the pandemic I stopped because I was, I was getting physical Mm -hmm. copies. So I would go to the comic Mm -hmm. book store every, every week or every other week Mm -hmm. and get my books, you know. What Mm -hmm. sorts of comics? Uh, particular type? Uh, well, I mean, I was reading Batman, all the Batmans that were okay, coming out all right. and all the Superman mm-hmm. that were coming out. Really? Okay. And then there were some other ones, like there was uh, some uh, like what if type ones, you know, sort of uh, mm-hmm. out of continuity stories that they were doing. I was, some of mm-hmm. those I was chasing after. It's mostly right. what I was interested in, but they usually had Batman mm-hmm. or Superman in them. The yeah, only comics mm-hmm. I've ever really read with irregularity, like I don't like superhero comics yeah. at all, no. kind of. Like mm-hmm. I, You have to have no superpowers. It's more interesting to me. Okay. So I read stuff inspired mostly like pulp characters, you know, Doc Savage and uh, you know, the Green Hornet and the Shadow and stuff mm-hmm. like that That's because cool. they're just regular guys that are kind of okay. busting their hump to try to, you know, make it there. They're more, mm-hmm. uh, I guess they're more like Batman who doesn't have superpowers per se, right? But, yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually the Shadow came from Batman inspired Batman, but that's a whole other story. But the comics are fun. It's curious yeah. that, um, you know, many of the comics that you, you said that you're interested in or that you would read are, are similar to the radio shows that you tell mm-hmm. us you listen to. Of course. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah that there. sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I'm I a, used I'm, to read comics yeah. a lot when I was younger, but in, it was a whole range. There was some superhero, mm-hmm. um, the Archie comics. And Richie Rich, <laughs> that was a favorite. Oh, Richie Rich, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Richie Scrooge Rich. McDuck. I get those little digests at the corner mm-hmm. grocery. <laughs> Look like yeah. a like Reader's Digest size, and they're about a quarter of an inch thick, and it uh-huh. has like a compendium of four or five comic books in it. Yeah, yeah. we had a couple of those laying yeah. around. They're a cheap way and- to get a lot of comics. <laughs> <laughs> there were some creepy ones too. We had one or two floating around that were, I guess it, maybe it was like Tales of the Crypt or oh, something yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Tales from the Crypt. I'm trying to remember if the comic was even called that. I believe it, or maybe it was called Tales from, Tales of Terror. But there were okay. like three comics right. by this company that um, one of them, would be, you know, had the Crypt Keeper. I'm trying mm-hmm. to remember. Or there were three types mm-hmm. of Crypt Keepers. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, it, those comics, my my uncle had those, you know, and he was uh, mm-hmm. like six or so years older than me. And he had those. And those always freaked me out. They were just so yeah. disgusting. It was just yes. like, mm-hmm. I have these images was, still in my head of like uh, human parts in like a butcher case. Was one of the stories. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yay. Was that like Condé Nast or somebody that had all those? Um, one of those old publishers, I think. Yeah. I, feels no, like. No, yeah. I'm trying to remember the name. Uh, yeah. It's okay. Yeah. It's, it's mm. been a while. It's not a test. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we talked to John Cassier, the Crypt Keeper, a couple of years ago, and then I researched it mm-hmm. so I could know it all. Mm-hmm. And then I've used that information now. Purge it for yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> I need to be an expert for 45 minutes. That's it. 
<laughs> so look, I'm not caught up on Batman, but I thought this was pretty cool because uh, because of my love for Batman in this one particular Batmobile. So mm-hmm. in, in the latest comic issue of uh, the series, that's Batman Beyond the White Knight. So again, at, at any given time, there's a few different Batman series running and they, mm-hmm. they don't necessarily intersect at all or the same continuity, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this one, Bruce Wayne... Uh, officially settles his Batmobile choice. And he's kind of forced to make this decision quickly Hmm. because in Sean Murphy's uh, run of the comic here, uh, Batman, he is, uh, or Bruce Wayne rather, has turned himself into the authorities because he's a vigilante. Mm -hmm. You know that, right? He's, Mm -hmm. you know, often in the stories he's being pursued as a criminal. He's like Bernie Getz, but with money. So, you know, (laughs) right? I mean, come on. (laughs) Didn't Bernie Getz have money too? (laughs) Not Bruce Wayne money. I don't know that. Yeah, Bruce Wayne money. Not Wayne Foundation. But um, so he's <laughs> serving a sentence in Gotham, in the Gotham City uh, jail there. But okay. there's a new Batman that appears. And I won't make this too, uh, you know, inside, but a new Batman appears. And so Bruce decides he has to break out of prison to keep mm-hmm. Gotham safe from this other Batman. And there's reasons mm-hmm. why he's dangerous and his backstory is not necessary. But anyway, of, of curiosity, too, is Bruce also has at this point an AI version of the late Jack Napier uh, mm-hmm. via a chip that the Joker secretly embedded into Bruce's brain years <laughs> earlier. The Joker did it. Yeah, so, uh, and I don't know, I'm guessing in this continuity, Jack Napier is the Joker. That's not always true in all of them, so mm. I'm guessing. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. But um, at some point, so he hears his thoughts in his head, but at some point he's at the Bat, he's back at the Bat Cave fighting with this other Batman, and mm-hmm. Bruce needs a quick escape, and uh, Bruce and Napier in his head come across a garage full of Bruce's old Batmobiles ranging <laughs> From it's every incarnation of the Batmobile, ranging from the 1966 version, the Adam West TV show that we love, mm-hmm. to 2022's Batmobile that was driven by Robert Pattinson, the film that just came out, you know, um, right. a few months earlier. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. while Napier is interested in the Dark Knight trilogy's Tumblr, if you remember Christian Bale's mm-hmm. uh, take on Batman, Bruce mm-hmm. decides to go with the 1989 Batmobile from the Tim Burton directed films. <laughs> <laughs> Keaton Mobile. Yeah, I'm, that's I, look. I love the '66 Batman. That's probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. But second favorite is '89, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, that may be nostalgia. But I think more of it is is the lines. You know, they have yes. very stylized lines. Where mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. incarnation since they tried to be kind of practical. You know, like Chris Nolan yeah. said. Well, yeah. let's take a military vehicle and make it into a Batmobile. Right. And then from the Batman, the Pattinson vehicle that we just had, movie the vehicle, also the vehicle the vehicle I'm talking about here, but <laughs> it's it's basically like like a really badass muscle car. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, it's like a military uh-huh. vehicle, which mm-hmm. that that's probably my second after the 66 Batmobile. Yeah. Uh, oh, I okay. love the the from uh, the one from the Batman, the most recent one, yep. because okay. it just- it just looks mean. It looks like a like an a, an angry charger. It's like if if a charger or a challenger became a Hulk. Right? It just went, I'm a bigger car and I'm a monster car. You pissed off my but car. But it had that, those kind of lines and an angry grill and the headlights yeah. that are all kind of looking mm-hmm. mean. I like that one. Yeah. That yes, that's definitely my third favorite. Nice. All right. Hey, another 1980s news. Finally, per deadline, Satanic Panic Thriller gets straight to series order at Peacock. Hmm. Uh, Peacock, you know that I don't know. That's like an NBC streaming service. That's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Peacock yeah. has handed a straight to series order to Hysteria. It's called with an exclamation point. Hysteria, <laughs> a coming of age <laughs> Satanic Panic drama thriller from writer Matthew Scott Keane mm-hmm. to Dungeons and Dragons filmmakers, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein. So we haven't seen Dungeons and Dragons yet. I'm hoping it's good because then maybe this will be good too. Mm. According to this, according to Deadline, the, the, uh, this series would explore America's dark history of mass hysteria through the shocking mm-hmm. story of the teenage satanic panic. The series mm-hmm. follows a group of 1980s, now see if this sounds familiar, a group of <laughs> 1980s high school misfits 
as they exploit the growing hysteria around teen occult activity. Yeah, it's it's slightly less strange things yeah. is what this, this series sounds like. Just strange things, yeah. <laughs> per yeah. the log line, when a beloved varsity quarterback disappears during the satanic panic of the late 1980s, a struggling high school heavy metal band of outcasts realize they can capitalize on the town's sudden interest in the occult by building a reputation as a satanic metal band. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is still a sentence. Until a bizarre series of murders, kidnappings, (laughs) and reported supernatural activity triggers a leather-studded witch hunt that leads directly back to them. Wait, wait. Leather-studded witch hunt. hunt. (laughs) I'm back in. You lost me and now I'm back in. (laughs) I know. I know what you guys are thinking. I'm not going to say it. Uh, Per Lisa, Lisa Katz, the president of scripted content over at NBC Universal Television, Quote, our upcoming thriller series, Hysteria, will explore the <laughs> complex world of the satanic panic set amidst 80s nostalgia, mystery, heavy metal, and an all-American setting. <laughs> Aww. What is that? An all-American setting, damn it. <laughs> Has there been anything else about the satanic panic since the 83 Mazes and Monsters with Tom Hanks? Mm. I mean, that explored that. Yeah. Hmm. But I feel like shortly after that, people went, eh, maybe not. <laughs> Well, and then, oh. you know, I don't even know that you could, well, okay, I guess we have to clarify this because it may be related to what we're going to talk about in just a minute. How, uh, you're saying it explored it, but mazes and monsters like was a, it wasn't about a satanic planet necessarily as it was born out of it, right? They made this film about something that Certainly. people genuinely right. had fears right. about. It, it wasn't analyzing whether or not it was, was founded or yeah. wh- how it made people act. It, mm-hmm. it existed inside that bubble and you're right. Yeah. yeah. So okay. in, in that way, a couple of films we're going to mention in a little bit. Yes, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, although they may be more metaphors or hyperbolic sort of examples of that and not necessarily. That one, that was like ripped from the headlines, that Mazes and Monsters thing. Somewhat. Right. I mean, it was based mm-hmm. in part as on a real story. Um, anyway, for, does anybody not know what the satanic panic is? I mean, thousands of unsubstantiated cases of satanic ritual abuse started popping up around the country. Most of them, folks agree, started with, you know, there's a couple of films that started people being afraid of this. And then this one particular book that was ultimately proven a bunch of bullshit, Michelle Remembers, where a woman said she, through, through uh, hypnosis, she was remembering all the horrible things that happened to her when she was a kid. Mm-hmm. The doctor, you know, the, her therapist wrote the book. Turns out they were dating. It turns out they were in cahoots. All this kind of stuff that made it. But mm-hmm. it led to, you know, lawsuits where you had teachers that were accused of uh, having satanic rituals with their preschool children in court for years oh defending themselves as a result of this and all a bunch of nonsense. Yeah, it was almost mm-hmm. like the Red Scare, but for the 80s. You know, it's like it, mm-hmm. everybody's guilty until yeah. you can prove that you're not, yeah. a, you know, a Satanist. Yeah. Yeah. Witch hunt. Yes. A leather-studded witch hunt, oh, I should oh, point out. Yes. If any, <laughs> if any of this sounds familiar, it's still going on today. And there's folks that are smarter than me, sociologists, journalists, that say it never left and the QAnon phenomenon today is, you know, the evolution of that, where you've got, again, people mm-hmm. saying that, literally saying people, children are being abused. There's satanic cults. Mm-hmm. There's right. no inf- evidence. There never has been. Lizard people. You know, what's crazy right. to me is when we were kids in the 80s, satanic panic, it was our parents that were freaking out about stuff. And mm-hmm. we were the kids yeah. saying, it's just rock and roll. It's just Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons. Calm down. But uh-huh. this QAnon stuff, that's our generation of people, right? So we went from being these people who are more cynical and discerning and knew they could spot like this kind of bullshit from, now they just suck it all up. It's just some of them, not all of us. The loudest ones. It's depressing that Gen Xers are so gullible. Something happens when you get older. 
get more afraid, I think. I guess. I was always gullible. Well, you're the QAnon member of our group. So, I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> oh, oh, no. All right. Hey, that was, I don't know what any of this is about. That was 1980s news. Thank Hey, our independent podcast is brought to you every week by folks just like you. So if you'd like to help us out, please follow us on the podcast platform you're listening to right now. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Share an episode on Facebook. All of these actions just take a moment and are 100% free. But if you'd like to chuck in a buck and help us keep publishing the show week after week, please visit us at 1980snow.com slash support to find out how you can send us a dollar or two. And thank you so much. It means a lot. Okay, so as I mentioned on today's show, we're going to be talking about 900 numbers. The creepy, the weird, the strange ones that were available during the Halloween season. And there's one in particular one that I took advantage of a lot. I called it many times. And I've got audio clips of some of the commercials to see if, they, if you remember them. See if they'll jog Ooh, your memory yeah, of yeah. these particular numbers. And I've got super special audio or audio of something that I think is really neat mm-hmm. that I'll play you uh, <laughs> later too. But, you know, before that, I just wanted to mention, because I think this is an an interesting little arc. And the information that I use on this episode comes from primarily two sources. When I'm talking about the 900 number history and a little Mm -hmm. bit about the film that I'm going to talk about, it comes from Satanic Panic, Pop Cultural Paranoia in the 1980s. It's a book Mm -hmm. I've relied on many times when we talk about the Satanic Panic. Um, In particular, in particular, I relied on a chapter by Kevin Ferguson about uh, 900 numbers. Mm -hmm. And uh, for the... The uh, 900 numbers themselves, I, I relied on a list from the ghostinmymachine.com. Mm-hmm. So while regional 976 numbers were in use as early as the 1970s, the national 900 number was developed by AT&T to allow TV networks to take polls. Oh. I don't know if you remember those. Like, in, in, in real time. So something would happen, dial mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd have results. And I think, and we're talking pre, hmm. what, American home, was it uh, incompetency porn? American home videos or what is it? America's, <laughs> America's, 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 yeah. America's home videos. You're talking about America's Got Talent? No, America's home videos. The voice. Or one of those things. <laughs> oh, oh. Funniest well, videos. I, I was thinking of that because they, they use those numbers to vote on on those talent shows yeah. oh, more recently. Yeah. Okay. Now those yeah. are, right. I thought those were free, but maybe they're not free to keep people from voting over and over again. They probably, sw- I don't know, they switched to texting later. I don't know. Mm. I know they said charges okay. may apply, but that might've been because you use your cell phone. Yep. But, okay. But they did mm-hmm. use it for voting, I know. Huh. Well, originally they didn't charge, the, these 900 numbers that AT&T developed for com- companies to use for polls, mm-hmm. et cetera, they didn't charge any, a, a premium for, for these to use. But in 1987, AT&T changed that mm-hmm. uh, and they allowed for higher rates to be charged, mm-hmm. like $2 for the first minute and then a cost of at each mm-hmm. additional minute. And uh-huh. they began splitting uh, the profit with the content provider. So if you were someone who created a 900 number, you could get like a 60% cut of whatever AT&T was raking in from the phone, you know, phone yeah. consumer. Wow. So they were happy to, to, to foster it. They're like, absolutely yeah. more revenue yeah. for us. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I wish that was like a thing now. Like, you know, we create podcasts. John's got a yeah. lot of shows on ch- stuff on his YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. YouTube yep. should just be like the, the, you first you got to hit a certain threshold and then they oh, give you a pittance. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then, they, oh, they do pay you just not so you'd notice. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, look, <laughs> Apple Podcasts would have zero content, but for the independent people who just are yeah. giving it a whatever, these people. Aww. But yeah. um, anyway, so quickly, 900 numbers came a hot commodity and you had everything from, you know, uh, callers being able to hear messages from Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, mm-hmm. get sports mm-hmm. tips, stock tips, mm-hmm. psychic friends, <laughs> and most notoriously, yep. porn. Now yeah. that was, that sounds like we set that up, but that's, <laughs> and that's true. Right? I never 
called a 900 number or a 976 number of any kind because okay. I was petrified of running up the phone bill yeah. because oh I had gosh. previously right. run up a giant phone bill oh. with my modem uh-huh. calling across the next county. And oh, I, I, I had a very solid memory of what transpired when I did that. <laughs> so I was petrified of what I might run up if I dialed one of these numbers. So I never did. Yeah. But you got to take advantage of them because I guess you had not been, you had not been beaten well, over a big phone bill prior. To that you know, I was trying to think of this today because my, my parents wouldn't have appreciated either too. But I think I'm trying to think these were in the late eighties. So I was like 17 or 18 at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think some of them, and I'm not positive, we'll, we'll listen to some of the advertisements from that, that age or okay. that era. Um, they had a maximum cost, some of them, you know, so you want to hear a message. It couldn't be more than $3 and 50 cents, you know? So uh, Uh I probably just said to my parents, Hey, I want to call this thing once this week. Is that okay? You know, whatever. Oh, you asked permission. Oh (laughs) yeah. I wouldn't have. Yeah. Oh my God. I was terrified of my parents. Oh, there we go. And I knew it would show up on a bill. (laughs) Right. So you couldn't, you know, Right. Yep. And I'd like to know yep. up front what 900 number I called before you get the bill. <laughs> right? It's like, what is young Will calling again this well, month? Well, speaking of porn, we'll talk about the ones I really called. But, but the, the porn ones were intriguing to, intriguing to me. And in porn, it really was like, you know, the commercials would be like a woman in lingerie saying, you know, call to speak with me now. Wow. Are you right. lonely? And so I was curious as a kid. I remember, because some of these things you, you could dial and not get charged to like you made it sort of past a certain point. Oh, so like you'd call and be like, hi, mm. do you talk to Cindy? Pressed one to talk. So I would just like hear that like, oh my God, it's so interesting and exciting. And then I would hang up before anything would get charged. <laughs> you know, that was exciting. That enough. was enough. But like <laughs> I said, most of the ones that okay. I did hear yep. the entirety of things because I did call these were horror because again, I wasn't to horror movies at this period of time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, okay. And look, there's there's a variety of them. And we're going to go through some of the most some of the more interesting ones. A few of them, a handful of them here. But okay. um, you know, and John, we were just talking about the satanic panic and this new show that's coming. And John mm-hmm, had made this comment mm-hmm. about or questioning whether mazes and Mon- other films since mazes and monsters sort of maybe you know reflected the fears that we had. And yes, the answer is yes. And I mentioned uh, <laughs> sure. earlier that uh, there's a couple that I wanted to talk about. But fears of the devil invading every aspect of our lives uh, aside it seemed that we had a general fear of technology uh, in the 1980s anyway. uh, And probably because we were getting so much of it so quickly and so much of it seemed foreign. And we had a lot of these devices in our homes. Or a Ouija board. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, we had a lot of films that were portraying technology just generally as bad for humans, like Tron, uh, war games, Superman three, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. horrific scene at the end where they, the, the, the computer takes over yeah. and, you know, makes a woman into a robot. Oh, it's, it's terrifying. Yeah. Um, but their <laughs> malevolence was due to, you know, the cold rationale of their, you know, ones and zeros, not some supernatural evil. No, there's no demonism, okay. yeah. right? Yeah. It's just, they're, yeah. they're acquiring sentience or they believe they know better right. or, or whatever. So right. yeah. when you add to that, uh, mm-hmm. the satanic panic, we do get mm-hmm. some films. They started seeing technology as a mode, a uh, way of communicating with the devil. Uh, you know, where C++ now becomes, you know, the new uh, Latin, I guess, for uh, incantations. And maybe, uh, and the telephone becomes the most efficient way for summoning demons. I mean, really, this is what these films are. <laughs> so in 1989, when you've got the, you know, the 900 numbers, which are, again, they're just ubiquitous. They're really popular. And you have this, this lingering effect of the satanic panic. Mm-hmm. You get a film and a corresponding phone number, 976 Evil, which, by the way, was directed by Robert England himself, oh. uh, Mr. Freddy Krueger. 
Oh, hey. And he also does a cameo as the voice that you you could uh, you would hear when you call nine seven six evil. Uh-huh. The film is kind of um, like uh, it's got some very. In addition to Robert England, it's got some other I- I- iconic nineteen uh, eighties performers. Robert Picardo is in it, who you mm-hmm. know went on to great success in Star Trek and, and some other things. But he mm-hmm. was in Howling, and also Stephen Jeffries, who played um, hmm, what was his name? Something Eddie, Crazy Eddie, <laughs> not Crazy Eddie. His prices oh, no, are crazy. insane. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 he was in Fright Night. So if you saw the movie Fright Night with Chris Sarandon as the vampire. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, the protagonist <laughs> of the film, his best friend becomes like the, uh, uh, what's the, what's uh, the vampire's uh, right-hand man who wants mm. to be a vampire himself? Uh, the familiar. Yeah. And in, in the Dracula novels, Bram Stoker, the guy's got a name and it's something. Okay. Anyway, so Stephen <laughs> <laughs> Jeffries is in it too. No. So you got these few different people. The movie's not great. So, yeah, so, so in this movie, you know, just like um, some other films like this in the 1980s, mm-hmm. you've got this nebbishy guy who's, you know, getting picked on and is looking for a way to avenge himself. And so uh-huh. ultimately in this film, again, like some others that we have in here, including uh, one at the beginning of the decade that starred Clint Howard called Evil Speak, mm-hmm. you've got this guy turned to technology as a means of connecting with Satan and leveraging his powers. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. in 976 Evil, you, you call this phone number and you get a horror scope. Oh. <laughs> that's not my pun. That's right in the movie. And the, the no, the, it was a good one. I, we could tell in the film. Oh. <laughs> wow, <laughs> it was pre-written. The uh, the horror scopes in this film told the, the characters what to do to get out of their problem, but it was always doing okay. something bad. So this guy mm. need money. You could steal it from somebody, you know. Uh, and ultimately, <laughs> they lead this Stephen Jeffries character down this path of the mm. path of evil. Ultimately, Uh-oh. he gets possessed by the devil. Um, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. cool. There's this creepy moment in the film where this detective trying to figure out what's going on. And he goes to, he tracks down the company that's running this 900 number and he, he visits with them. And Robert Picardo is the guy running it. And his name is Mark Dark. This film, by the way, just broadcasts everything. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Mark, Mark Dark, Dark is running it. And he's like, yeah, no, I, you're, no, I do have a number like that. And he shows him the room and it's dusty and filled with cobwebs. And there's like this series of like answering machines all connected together. He's like, I invented it myself, but I shut it down a couple of months ago. It hasn't been on. <gasps> the calls were coming from inside the house. So, oh. yeah. <laughs> anyway, right. so I say all this to say that in, in the late 1980s, uh, around the time the film came out, we had 900-909-DARE. So I guess 976 Evil probably wasn't available. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. much like in the film, you could call it and get a horror scope. <laughs> and I have a clip of the ad here that uh, promoted okay. that. Uh, 976 Evil. See the terror in your local movie theater. Now hear the horror on your telephone. Dial this number for your horror scope. Eerie stories of horror and fright. Supernatural thrillers of evil in the night. The future was never so terrifying. Dial now. We dare you. $2 oh. the first minute, 45 cents each an additional minute. Children, get your parents' permission before you dial. <laughs> I think it's so wonderful that the, the terrifying man who made that message wants to make sure we get the rates and ask yes. for permission. Isn't that nice? Yeah. <laughs> and did he say call on your terror phone? I love that. <laughs> he has that, speech impediment, John. That was, was, I don't movie. mean to make fun, but yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it was a bit of a reach for a, it was good. Oh, when I was a kid, just hearing those, those voices and the presentation and the images, this one had images of the, from the film, mm-hmm. which is creepy. 
Here's, a, here's another one, a slightly different one. So when you call that one, like I said, you can get your horror scope when you call it. I, I'm not sure exactly what Terror phone. Uh, 900-490-DEAD was a zombie hotline. Uh, and uh, if you called this number around uh, 1987, you could hear a, a, a zombie, you'd either hear a zombie shambling toward you that would not necessarily ever arrive, or randomly you could be connected to a quote unquote live zombie um, point of order. Yeah. <laughs> I made air quotes. That's right. right. Live in the sense that he's not pre-recorded, but okay. Yes. Cool. Right. Yeah. The phone zombies are very, very dead, but they're not in their graves and they're not walking the night. They're in the phone line, and they've got your number! One bear, dial 1-900-490-DEAD. Randomly selected callers get to talk to me live in the flesh. When you reach me, you'll wish you never called. Only $2 a call. (laughs) (laughs) They've got our number. Why are we calling them? That was my question, too. Wait, how did they get our numbers? Right. Well, they, they've got the phone book. I just realized that they remind me of when he started getting really worked up. He sounds like uh-huh. Pee Wee Herman. You know when Pee Wee Herman would get worked up? I feel uh-huh. just perfect. In fact, I can't remember when I felt quite so cozy down here. Um, there was other numbers that were similar to that. Uh, one in particular, 490 Creep, where you could, mm-hmm. uh, you'd hear some kind of creepy sounds or otherwise be connected to a live Creep. Talk to me live. (laughs) (laughs) Not all of them were spooky, though. Uh, If you remember the original show, The Monsters, you know, took Mm -hmm. place in the 1960s. But Mm -hmm. the TV family made a few comebacks since then. And most most notably, recently had a reboot uh, on Netflix from Rob Zombie. But it was popular in the 1980s. And I think in large part because of two things. One, reruns. And two, sick days. So when I was home from school, (laughs) you know, it was Price is Right. Partridge Family, the Munsters. Like these are the things you lived off Mm -hmm. of that and applesauce or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Pop-Tarts. Yeah. Oh, Pop-Tarts. But um, because of the, you know, the continued rise of popularity of the show again, Al Lewis, Grandpa Al Lewis returned to host TBS's super scary Saturday movie block. He became like the, you know, Elvira uh, of Mm -hmm. uh, TBS. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. But he also launched a 900 number. Hiya, kids. It's me, your friend, Grandpa. I gotta tell you, I am starting a new club, and I want you to join. It's called the Junior Vampires of America. I mean, you'll hear scary monster stories. Now, to call, you gotta ask your parents' permission and call this phone number, 1-900-909-4300. You'll hear all about my monster friends, learn how to get a free vampire patch and a list of special vampire tricks and secrets. So call 1-900-909-4300. Learn how to scare your friends, even yourself. Join Grandpa Junior Vampires of America Club, and I will make you a junior vampire. Hey, kids, call 1-900-909-4300. That's 1-900-909-4300 to hear Grandpa's scary stories and join the Junior Vampires Club. Just $2 a first minute, 45 cents each additional. Ask mom or dad first. They had the budget to buy for a whole minute of a commercial there. Man. Yes. I never noticed until this moment what a strong accent oh, Grandpa yeah. has. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Grandpa Al was from New York. Yeah. Or Al Lewis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Was from New York. 
And is it the Junior Vampires Club or the Junior Vampires of America? So Mm. maybe one is the legal entity and then one is, I don't know. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny. Before I heard the whole ad, I thought he was even trying to distance himself from the character of Grandpa for legal purposes because he introduces himself, it sounds like, as Grandpa. Grandpa. I did. It's me, your friend, Grandpa. Grandpa. And he offers you, he says you're going to get a free vampire patch. But meanwhile, you got to pay for the phone call. Yeah. And I was like, to know what address to send it to, do they keep you on the line telling you the address or they can just keep running That's exactly what I was thinking. How long do I have to sit on there to find yeah. out what about the secrets and tricks and how to scare myself and yeah. what about the damn patch? And come on. Yeah. And scare now it's been 15 minutes. I've spent $50. You want yeah. the patch? All right. Well, what is it? It's uh, what? Uh, what was the number again? One. Yeah. Two. Yeah. I'm sorry. What was it again? One. Mark, one. Yeah. I love how we can learn how to scare ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know what that would be. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, huh. And you're just a kid, so it's not going to be like uh, uh, maybe your girlfriend takes a pregnancy test. It couldn't be something like that. Um, uh, it couldn't be, look uh. at your bank account. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. I should have saved. Here's another one. A company out of uh, called Teleline out of uh, Los Angeles ran a number of spooky hotlines in the 1980s. Some were like the others that everybody talked about, but others told awful monster-themed jokes their ads for this one in particular, which uh, featured a skeleton puppet who sounds suspiciously like another tale telling creature that was popular around this time. Hey, I'm no numbskull, so call me at 1-900-909-2233 and you'll hear the funniest monster jokes like, what's a vampire's favorite sport? Basketball. <laughs> or the one about the ghoul who missed her mummy. <laughs> you'll also find out how to get these scary street signs featuring my friends Dracula, Wolfman, and Frankenstein. It costs $2.45 for a two-minute message, so ask your mom or dad if it's okay before you call 1-900-909-2233. I'm dying to make you laugh. laughing. <laughs> he sounds kind of like, uh, I don't know, uh, Crypt Keeper's like, uh, mm. lesser-known uh, brother that maybe owes him money. Estranged. Estranged brother, yeah. <laughs> sound like you put the Crypt Keeper and the Joker, like through the Brundlefly machine, what came out the other side was kind of half and half. You know, funny enough, and I learned this from uh, ghostinmymachine.com, mm-hmm. that the phone number for the sponsor, Joe Conley, was also the same one used to call He Man earlier in the 1980s, huh. which means that some kids may have gotten a true fright when they were expecting <laughs> to talk to Prince Adam. They were, yeah. <laughs> you did no cringer told monster jokes, did you? <laughs> this one was a kind of a more advanced taking taking advantage of technology. Was a, a line that you allowed you to quote save Michael Myers' next victim. So Halloween mm. Five has now, like we talked about, it's been retconned out of the franchise, and it's, it's probably one of the mm-hmm. worst films too. But oh. they had a devilishly a devilish promo attached to the film. At the end of the TV spots, there was a box. So you'd see an ad for the movie, and then there was a box that said, save Michael's next victim, and there was a 900 number there. When you called the number, it led you on a sort of choose-your-adventure, own-adventure kind of story that allowed you to, hmm. you know, in theory, save save somebody from uh, from the shape. The places you could visit, you know, by dialing whatever the pressing the numbers, were, were ones that were in the new film. Ah. That year also saw another film. The Amity, It was a direct-to-TV sequel to, to the in the Amityville series. It was the fourth one. Uh-oh, it was called the TV? E- yeah. It was called <laughs> The Evil Escapes. This is another right. one. Like, uh, Heather Langenkamp's got to overcome the fact that her character was killed off. I think mm. at the end of Amityville 3, the house is burned down. Oh. So... I guess the evil hmm. could have resurrected it or the evil yeah. escapes and now yeah. it's haunting a condo, uh, you know, on Montauk. <laughs> no, wait, I don't know if I watched the sequels, but it, 
at the end of the first one, didn't it like implode? Oh, maybe it was the first one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, yeah, it like, like, like imploded on itself. Huh. Cause I watched a special about how they did it. And I'm, I'm, oh, so, okay. I'm like, well, how did you even have a sequel? Oh, it's oh. back. That's the scary part. The house is back. Well, I know our friend <laughs> Diane Franklin's in Amityville 2, The Possession, but that may yeah. be a prequel. Yeah. Oh. Huh. Okay. All right. Huh. Ah, Interesting. But anyway, they did something similar while, while uh, yeah. you know, they had a 900 number that corresponded with the promotion of the film. Mm-hmm. And in this one, <laughs> I thought it was just kind of silly was, they even they give a little, the, the, the monster voice that's talking, whatever it sounds like. Gives a little dig at the end at Freddy. It says, there's a line that where the, the person says, uh, eat your heart out, Freddy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway, finally was the one that I actually called the most, which was, there was an oh. assortment of Freddy uh, f- phone numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you had no sense for how huge this film would be. The first one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the 1980s saw back-to-back sequels. Four released uh, between uh, 1985 through 1989. Wow. And, and so. several more since, of course. But So now hold on. Did, did you say that the one we're about to hear is the one that you actually called yourself? Yes. Really? So have any of these previous ones, do you have any experience with those or or one just ones like them? Maybe The ads are familiar to me. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, but mm-hmm. I don't have a strong memory of having called them. Freddie, okay. yeah, Freddie. Right. But definitely. this next one you do is actually oh, yes. one you called. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's, okay. you got my attention. Yeah, I want, to hear what, I want to hear what Will called repeatedly to <laughs> well, hear. Okay, well, there were different ones. So uh, there were different ones. And well, in 1987, mm-hmm. there were there were look, they were leveraging this brand. So they just like we talked about, there was di- different takes on these types of 900 numbers and the kind of content you would get. So the Freddy, they tried, you know, they tried a few different ones. One of them, you could challenge Freddy to trivia. Happy Halloween, foolish mortals. Freddy Krueger has a special treat for you. Challenge Freddy. Win up to $10,000. Even a chance to appear in the next Nightmare on Elm Street film. Test your nightmare knowledge. Dial 1-900-860-4FRED. See if you survive Freddy's boiler room. Dial now and play Freddy Trivia, but you better look sharp. Freddy doesn't take any prisoners. What a rush. $2 the first minute, $1 each additional minute. Callers under 18, get your parents' permission before you dial. That's well put together. Oh, yeah. Did that happen that somebody won this and was able to appear, got their chance oh, gosh, to appear? Oh, gosh, I don't have no idea. That would have been a great thing for me to look up. All right, <laughs> uh, it didn't. <laughs> Maybe Let's I see. should. Who won the Freddy <laughs> trivia hotline thing? Let's see. I don't know. I'll have to. I'll, maybe I'll tell you next time if I get Yeah, they out. said for a chance to win $10,000. They didn't say they were actually going to award yeah, $10,000. Right. Zero so, is a chance, technically. It's a, it's <laughs> and it was yeah. a chance to be in the movie. So It was. It right. Actually happened. If you can yeah. pass the audition, you can be in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was well put together, though. Like, it has a vanity number, not like mm-hmm. the, call 976-900-943. No, no, it's like for Fred. I'm like, that's cool. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they had mm-hmm. a premise. There was something you could win. There was mm-hmm. trivia. There was a chance to be in the movie. Mm-hmm. I can see why you would have called this one. I mean, this is pretty... This, this is much more compelling than the yeah, other I don't ones. remember how I fared at triv- uh, Freddy Trivia, but um, there was another line, which I don't remember calling this Freddy version, um, okay. where you could theoretically, like the uh, getting a live zombie or talking to the creep, you could actually maybe have the opportunity to speak to Fred mm-hmm. himself. Mm. Trick or treat, you foolish humans. Your worst nightmare has something special for you today. Dial this number now. If you're one of my lucky callers selected at random, you can talk to me live while you're awake. It's a dream come true. You and me. So dial this number now if you dare. Talk to me live. Freddy Krueger is just a phone call away. 
$2 the first minute, 45 cents each edition. I do not, I would not have felt compelled to be calling this number. That voice is familiar. It's not Robert England. It sounds like, it sounds like an 80s era wrestler, like Sergeant Slaughter or somebody, doesn't it? Hulk Hogan. You know, like maybe Hulk? Yeah, somebody in there. It's got that kind of something about that, you know. It sounded like uh, Richard Maul in some film where they distort his voice. Maybe okay. it's in um, a house. Because ah. it doesn't sound like Freddie. Did you just hear that voice going, when I get you in the ring, yeah. you're yeah. going to have a reckoning. Right? That's what it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that, because that was bugging me too. I'm hearing this. Yeah. Like, why is that familiar? Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. Yep, yep. The Freddie numbers, the number that I called the most, however, okay. were oh. ones where oh. you would randomly hear a spooky story. Okay. Uh, and I don't know, I don't know offhand how many variations of the story there were mm-hmm. but during halloween's where they had these numbers still which was, again it started in 87 i believe and i believe they had it in 88 and 89 uh, i would call until you know in here as many as i could again i probably asked my parents once a week can i call again or whatever right or here's five bucks i have a job now i'm a man <laughs> <laughs> i want to call and listen to a wrestler talk like freddy krueger on the phone again <laughs> and in the stories freddy was acted like the crib creeper where he would set up the premise mm-hmm. and he would come back mm-hmm. at the end to sort of reflect on what happened and then there would be a narrator or the person oh. who this, the uh, thing was happening to would narrate mm-hmm. their own story mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Freddie was not reading the story, no, or telling the story. Not usually. I don't. Th- I don't know that he ever did. Those weren't the ones I remember. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, guys, I have right. forty-five minutes worth of these phone calls. Now, should we listen <laughs> oh to one? Goodness. It's probably like a minute and a half long. Or two well, well, you have the audio of the call. Yes. Is that what you're uh, saying? YouTube has someone oh. put together forty-five minutes of them. This is a, this is a special double album episode. I just play the whole <laughs> thing. Not to all forty-five minutes. <laughs> But like, well, I'm going to gonna, after the show. Okay. Well, to oh. give you a sense of what they were like, because, you know, okay. John had mentioned yeah. that these, that even the ads seemed well-produced. They, they seemed pretty well yeah. put together. Pretty ones. Yeah. Uh, and to get a story, even a beginning, middle, and end of a story, a spooky story, you know, in uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whatever time it is. So here, here, here's uh, an example of what I would call frequently in the 1980s to hear. Right. Awesome. anybody else thinking about porn? I was thinking about you glistening. Uh. <laughs> Our warders walked among us, tall and terrible, faceless beneath their hooded boat. I heard a scream and I saw them drag a prisoner to the middle of the ship, chaining his wrists to the ceiling. And then with barbed wire wrists, they began to slay the skin from his bones, exposing every nerve ending as his body thrashed and twisted like raw meat in the air. Finally, they dragged his lifeless hulk back to the oars, and suddenly I knew the past. I saw myself in someone else's house, their money in my pockets, their blood on my hands, then the police, the bullets, a sudden burst of pain in my chest, and was this some sort of prison? I looked over at the slave man, and in horror, I saw that his skin was whole again, and he was rowing, his hollow eyes resigned to an eternity of unrelenting torment, an eternity. Yes, I was in prison, but with no windows, no bars, no escape. 
sailing the seas of my very own hell forever and ever and ever. Step into a Slim Jim. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That reminds me in no small part of like 70s, 80s era, like CBS radio mystery theater, like the old radio Mm. dramas. Mm It's very tinny because it was on the phone. So mm-hmm, it has that, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. it has that, that very, very, telling you a story about back yeah. in the woods. You know, it's that kind of like almost like a radio announcer sound. It, uh-huh, do you remember uh-huh. it? Like it, maybe not this one. Do you remember any of the stories? The yeah, kind of thing you, you know, that one to, actually right? seemed familiar to me. Really? And I listened to a few others on this, wow. you know, compilation. And yeah, there was a bunch huh. that I was like, oh yeah. Okay. Wow. Did it give you the chills? Like, Ooh, I remember that. <laughs> No, Scare but it yourself. was that no. bizarre sort of thing where you, it's almost like time travel where yeah. I can picture mm-hmm. myself in my bedroom. I, I was yeah. lucky enough at some age that my parents gave me my own phone in the bedroom it's because mm-hmm. I, I think I had been you know stretching the kitchen cord as long as it would go. <laughs> mm-hmm. And finally, like, we're just going to have a line put in your own. This is yep. ridiculous. Yep. Um, so mm-hmm. I, would be, I have this image of being in my bedroom where I would stand kind of, you know, to be on my phone and listen to these things. Yeah. Did you ever try to record them on a tape deck or something? Yeah, I did. I did. did. Oh. Because, you know, one of the things I did, again, because I had my own phone and it's the late 80s. So again, I was a little bit older and I was in high school, was make outgoing answer machine messages, right? Oh my God. Yeah. And so for me, what <laughs> yes. they would be is like compilations of things, cartoon mm-hmm. clips I liked mixed with Freddy Krueger or that. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. mm-hmm. And I do recall once just recording a whole thing and that was my outgoing thing as much as it would fit. Was uh-huh. like that Freddy Krueger story, as if you had called the hotline yourself. Oh my gosh! I didn't have many friends, so nobody was getting having to leave a message. Oh. He did a mashup between a couple of different kinds of nine hundred numbers, probably. Right. Yeah. He's like, hey, kitties, what are you wearing? <laughs> Press three to talk to <laughs> Tiffany. <laughs> so look, in the end, bringing this back to nine hundred numbers, in the end, it wasn't saying that killed the industry. Uh, you know, it's interesting is that mm. while it often catapults uh, the adoption of new technology, mm-hmm. VHS, DVD, mm-hmm. online streaming, porn actually caused the downfall of the 900 number. Ah. Well, that and disputed bills. Uh, <laughs> but porn, because even though it was only a small percentage of 900 numbers, the uh, major newspapers started talking about how children having access to adult content was mm. a threat. Mm-hmm. to children. And so in, in 1988, AT&T and other regional companies under pressure from government regulations, complaint from parents mm-hmm. and consumer groups, they stopped paying providers of some adult 900 numbers. So as I mentioned, mm-hmm. they were to be cutting the profits. They just stopped paying these folks. And so they, yeah. wow. Um, okay. <laughs> and the phone industry recognizing they had an image problem removed all financial incentives. Uh, and in fact, in 1993, it became illegal to advertise 900 numbers to children under the age of 12, except for, quote, mm-hmm. bona fide educational services. How do you define educational? Yeah, I know. Okay. They're learning yeah. about sex. Seems kind of educational. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but second, as I, as I mentioned, look, every ad we heard, you know, the, the, the ads are instructing kids under 9, 18 to ask parents for permission. Oh, that's mm-hmm. what it was. I was 18, so I was like, fuck you, parents. There you, you go. Do what I want. The fuck I do what I want. Yeah. Parents. But even though they, it said that, many of them didn't do it. So children could easily and yeah. unwittingly just rack up 
high phone yeah. bills that your parents would be forced to pay. Yeah, you ask forgiveness, <laughs> not permission. You're right. You, know, you don't ask to call because you can't uncall. I've already heard it. You can get as mad at me as you want. I've heard the call, right? I, I was able to yeah. do it. <laughs> I came across a People Magazine an article from 1988 where one 15-year-old boy in Oakland, California spent $4,000. Wow. Uh, in 1987, Pacific Bell in California refunded nearly $9 million to customers for party line bill adjustments, according to the New York Times. Gracious. Wow. Uh, and federal and state regulations responded by requiring refunds and, prov and providing a way to block 900 numbers. But by the way, to block those 900 numbers, you had to pay $25 to the 900 number companies. What? what? Anyway, oh, but man. in spite of all these changes, it was impossible to address this new level of teleconsciousness. You know, we thought mm. about phones in a different way. They were no longer a passive medium where we just could connect with someone or get information, just like like the time and the weather. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, some folks, again, smarter than me, and I believe as Kevin Ferguson points out, that folks began to see the phone as in as a as a medium for satisfying some unfulfilled desire. Mm -hmm, uh, lonely mm -hmm. folks could be on chat lines. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, again, people, you know, there's phone sex available. If you wanted mm -hmm. horror stories, I mean, you know, all these. Mm -hmm. right. uh, the, 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 the uh, psychics were huge on the 900 mm -hmm. numbers. You call to get your fortune yeah. read. It was, yeah. it was yeah. nothing more really that I, I, again, I never called them, but it seemed to me just to be glorified horoscopes, you know, call and yeah. you'd push the number of when you were born. They're going to tell you. <laughs> You know, mm -hmm. instead of reading the paper, but yeah, it's yep, yep. again, you're lonely or you have a need to fulfill and yeah, yep. there's another, op another avenue to get to. And people still do that with their phones. There's just a visual component now. Yeah. <laughs> now they don't call anybody. They just sit there and sc death scroll. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, you're right. It was uh, not prescient, but it was, yeah, it was the beginning of that, mm -hmm. of what mm -hmm. we're at, where we're at now. And, and mm -hmm. like then in the 1980s, because I think ultimately, you know, we're talking about these these horror films or these films about computers that show our fear about technology. Ultimately, that's what parents are scared of, right? Phones provided a sense of, uh, or uh, the, uh, gave people agency. And yes. to give that kind of power yeah. to a child, yeah. it's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. yeah, something like Cat points out, something I'm dealing with now with my, you know, certainly my youngest now, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's even worse. Yeah. They try to keep the kid in the yard and keep him inside the lines and make sure yep. that, you know, and now here's this thing plugged into the wall that gives them mm -hmm. a direct conduit to something outside that I have control over. Yep. And parents <laughs> yep. get, parents get afraid. Yeah. Yep. All yep, right. Yep. Let's call that a show. We can call that a show. All right. Hey, that's that. <laughs> hey, our show is brought to you every week. Thanks in part to our early adopters mm. like Kathy Burke, Yay. Rick Parker, and Karen hey. Flieger. Mm-hmm. And thanks especially to our secret of our success level Patreon supporters, John Henderson, Craig Coletta, John Kaminsky, Marcus Taylor, mm -hmm. and Tony Great. And that is not all. Actually, oh, since we what? last spoke, a yep. brand new supporter has pledged his financial support to 1980s yep. now. Yep, yep. Craig Ooh. Anderson. Thank you so much, buddy. Fantastic. Ooh, Happy to have great. you on board. Thank, thank you for putting you, your money Craig. where your mouth is. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Thank Thanks, you. Buddy. It means a lot, emotionally mm. and financially. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, we will talk to you again next time on 1980s Now. Until next time. See you later, guys. This podcast is part of the 80s Ruled Network. Visit the 80s Ruled on Facebook for more 1980s awesomeness.